Derek Dork joins the podcast today, and Derek is a highly accomplished runner. He's a three-time collegiate All-American. He's held his triathlon pro card for 10-plus years, and now he's a member of the Spartan Pro Team. So anything Derek has done, he has found great success. So we talk a bit about training and the mechanics that led him to this, this success, but we also touch on the mindset to competition and the pitfalls of success and chasing that success. It was a very honest and relatable, at least for me, conversation about what it is like to strive toward greatness and how to handle those type of expectations. So we do talk about the transition from running to triathlon, from triathlon to OCR and things that are our struggles and the things that do translate fairly well. We also touch on our definition of coaching and we talk about what runners can expect out of events like DecaFit and High Rocks. It was a great conversation. I enjoyed it very much. I think you'll get a lot of good content out of this one. So let's get into it. Derek York. Today we have Derek York in the house. Derek, what's going on? What's going on? How are you? Good, man. Yeah, I appreciate you hopping on today. I'm really excited. We were just talking offline. We have a ton of weird connections and we could probably chalk it up for hours, but we want to get in here. We want to talk training, but first I have a couple of like, uh, just straight up icebreaker questions. So you ready for them? Right. Bring it on. So I know you're a talented runner, talented athlete, but do you do, do you have any hidden talents? Hidden talents? No, none whatsoever. I can't sing. I can't dance. Uh, all exposed talents, all known <laughs> talents. Everything that I have, and if I could sing or dance, you would know. That's that's what I would I would have done that immediately. You can't cook. You can't like do a Rubik's cube. You got nothing to to tell you. So, like the only thing I've ever shown that I had any talent in is writing. Uh, I've got mm. I don't know 150 uh, poems, a couple published um, from back in the day, um, but I don't I don't get into that much anymore. I would say that that's, that, that qualifies. And what was that process like for you? We just kind of sit down and, and write or it was that, uh, and, and how, where is it now? Why did it, where'd it go? Right. No, I, I was your classic. Uh, I say was, I still am a, a head case, but it's, uh, <laughs> it was a very emotional, uh, we'll say like late teenager, things like that. So it started as uh, like a junior in high school and I had some talent, um, with writing and then it went into college and, um, I would, I would fail English classes and then have to sit with the, with an English professor and they tell me how talented I am at writing, but it's not a writing class. So do the work. <laughs> yeah, but check this out. Uh, so no, it was, it was fun. It was something that I could do. That was a, it was a release that wasn't, um, physical. Uh, and so I just, I put them all together. Some were better than others. And then, um, a couple of them. Um, I mean, it was, it was the real deal stuff, Shakespearean sonnets, huh. uh, iambic pentameter, some of them, I mean, stuff like that. But, uh, but yeah, that started to go away. I don't write as much, um, as much anymore. I've got, uh, I got two little girls that I just, well, you know, we, we read a lot to them and, um, I think I just, Yeah. I spend too much time on my phone or something. <laughs> oh no, my dog's yelling at somebody that just showed up. It's all good. Um, yeah, because I didn't. I growing up, I didn't do writing at all. I, I was not great at grammar. I didn't really pay attention in class. I just like yeah. completely 
shied away from it until later in life, more than the last like four or five years into is where I really kind of started writing and, and more along the lines, just writing content for the coaching business. But I found it to be so like therapeutic almost. And just, I really enjoy the process and just the, the right. craft of it and poetry. Uh, like I think about that sometimes and being able to write in these uh, short form and to be able to create emotional response and just right. So small is uh, unbelievable. I can't even like wrap my head around trying to write a poem. It's <clears throat> what's really fun about it. And, and the, again, there's different types of writing, but what's fun to me is I, I will hang and that's, uh, I think it's a byproduct of being super emotional to things, but yeah. I'll hang on how you said a word, why you said it. Did you take a breath before you said it? Right. Every one of those things has a, a connotation, right? So you elicit a particular emotion with a particular word, right? So uh, I always found that to be fascinating, right? That I can get you to feel certain ways. So you really need a, uh, you need a comma here to make sure someone stops and breathes and thinks on that word, or there's a, there's a reason for that. Right. Hmm. Um, and in poetry, there's, there's, uh, I can capitalize where I want. I can use basic punctuation where I want and why I want it there, right? So things like that, you have a little bit more leeway than in a uh, grammatically correct MLA or APA style format, right? You know, a paper or book or something like that. Huh? And like I've never studied poetry, even really thought about poetry that hard. But that makes so this is like the first time anything like that has dawned on me where it, the, <laughs> the writing and like the emotion and that is happening. Uh, on the paper and that's what's internally happening to the reader is the product and not necessarily just what is written. Um, right. Yeah. The, the word is less meaningful than what it's going to bring about. Huh? You should start writing poetry again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We'll, we'll see about that. I don't know if I want to go down that route. That's a rabbit hole for sure. Just, just get back to that angsty teenager that mm. you once were and just, I have no, I have no wants to uh, to go down that route. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gr- I'm grown up now. Don't need that. Yeah, um, yeah. cool. That's awesome. Um, so, so tell me, what is the what's like the coolest thing about country music? Coolest thing of country music? What a great question! I don't like country music. Uh, it there's a, a real song is um, you're writing songs about me, right? And uh, and I think that that's that's the coolest thing about country music is that there's there's something that we can all relate to um, that everybody uh, can, you know, um, one of my favorite songs right now, there ain't nothing a beer can't fix. Yeah, like, ain't that the truth? Um, which is, which is horrible when you think about it. Like, Hey, just drink alcohol. It'll make everything better. Maybe write, uh, maybe write journal, maybe write poems. You could do that instead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe, maybe do something a little different, but it is, um, it's fun that we all kind of have those, those different times. And it, it seems like, uh, I don't know, uh, country artists like to keep it a little, um, a little bit more real. And, and everything's there on the surface, man, whatever they're thinking, it's coming out of their mouths. And they're Correct. Like, and the, whether and the you're doing it or not, they yep, don't give a and, shit. Nope. And they're saying it in words you understand and exactly in a phrase that you can understand it. Yep. And you're like, I agree exactly with what that person is saying. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. That's it's, it's a fun time for me. I like it in the summertime when I'm outdoors. I mean, it's not great 
this summertime just because I'm not outdoors and around people, but be, right. being able to like be at like a tailgate or, you know, just anything at a pool party, toss on some country. It's a fun time. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's not too many times you're going to get, you get a group of people together and you put friends in low places on everybody will sing. <laughs> it's going to happen. They're going to know it. They're going to know it. Even if they like to test the song, they're still going to do oh, yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Um, what's your favorite CrossFit workout? Oh God. Uh, Murph. 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 Interesting. Why? Hands down. Uh, I mean, one, I'm good at it. That's always, that always helps right? There's no barbell in sight. Um, I don't have anything against a barbell. I just suck at it. Um, <laughs> and I think it's, uh, I think there's a reason for it. I think there's, there's always got to be a motivation for a workout, right? So it's a hero wad, you know, you know, uh, Murph's story. Most people do by now. Um, so it's super motivational. It's hard. Everybody fears it. Um, everybody kind of comes together and cheers you on for it. For most people, it's just a shit day, right? So you're, you're just, you're going to get through it, you know, together. Um, yeah, you're going to get in over your head and, and still get through it. Yeah. And I, I'm, I'm absolutely going to walk that line of rhabdo every time I do it. Um, <laughs> that's just what's going to happen. So, yeah. That's a good one. Again, it's, it's simple. It's like, it's the country music. Yep. Of yeah. CrossFit workouts. Yeah. yeah. It like, very much is. Um, just do it. And everybody can understand. Like, there's some CrossFit workouts that, you know, that there's, you wouldn't know how hard it is unless you did, unless you did CrossFit. But you could tell anybody, like, you're going to run a mile hard. You're going to do 100 pull ups, 200 push ups, 300 air squats, and a run, run another mile. And you're going to yeah. wear a weight vest. And everyone's going to be like, that sounds terrible. That sounds, doesn't yeah. Matter, doesn't matter what. <clears throat> And it, there's not there's not a lot of technicality. Like I I love a workout with ring muscle ups in it. I can do them. I do them decently well. I like it. But that it's super technical. It depends a lot on um, you know male versus female um, can have a lot with upper body strengths and weights and things like that. And then you're how technical those things are or like a you know, a snatch workout that's super technical, right? Yeah. You know, um, what's your shoulder mobility like? Murph is just a grind. Most people can do some sort of pull-up if you got to do jumping pull-ups or with a band or get your chin over the bar, lay down on the ground, get up off the ground. That's a push-up, right? And then, and then squat, which is um, the basic of human endeavor, right? Squat down. You can be bad at CrossFit and, and do pretty well at Murph and still do it. You know, you may never have right. done CrossFit before ever. And you could still do, you know, five strict pull-ups at a time if you're decently fit. You know, it helps yep. to have some CrossFit and because the, the the modality is similar, but you don't even have to. You can just do Murph. Right, right. Murph is a, Murph is just a great day all the way around again. Yeah. You don't have to do CrossFit to do it. It's a fun time. That's that was such a bummer this year too because the gyms were closed. I went out and and did it by myself. Oh. I I don't have a pull up bar. I don't have any gym, so I was doing it like a train tress, like this flat top. Oh, that's awesome! Just, like, my my fingers were like cramped the whole time, so I had to do a part. I didn't unpartition that because I wasn't trying to do a hundred pull ups like that because I had things to do that day. Yeah. and I wanted to It'll have time to do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, You'd so still be there. It, yeah, totally. But it's it was still fun. It kind of ruined my week of training. And to the point where I like forgot that I did it. I'm like Thursday. I was like, I might have to hang this up. I might be washed. 
And then I was yeah. like, oh, that's right. I did Murph on Monday. That's why I feel awful. Uh, still. I wasn't able to do it this year. Uh, I had just torn up my knee um, at that point. Um, and I was taking like two weeks off, like nothing. So it mm. was uh, it was a bummer for me, but I'll uh, I'll make up for it. Um, yeah, Murph, Murph will be a big deal here in the next couple of months. Uh, everybody keeps talking about a particular number. And I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna go for it. So what like Hunter's number? So yeah. Uh I told Hunter personally that I was gonna break thirty. Uh and I break there with it unpartitioned? So at the time it wasn't unpartitioned. Uh so my last year's time was thirty fifty. Mm. And that was broken five ten. Did you Cindy? Yeah. Yep. Yep. Um so I can go through you know, close to 30 minutes there. But when he went 34 unpartitioned, um, that became, that became a, a huge goal. Um, it's just those pushups, yeah. man. Like I like that with yeah. 200 yeah. pushups of the weight fest. I'm going to be out of gas. I'm going to just not out of gas. Just like, I'm just going to be completely spent upper body. It's not even going to be hard at that point. I'm just gonna have to like wait and just until my muscles recover. Um, yeah, the pushups, the push-ups are, take, take so long um so that's i mean that's what i've focused the last i mean um three weeks on is simply like push-ups and starting to build my run back up the run's not my weak point uh i think i'll be fine what will you try to hit Uh, those miles in uh (laughs) with the weight vest almost every year i run about 5 30 the the opening mile uh that's too fast you shouldn't you shouldn't go that fast uh, just because it's, if you slow down 30 seconds and run a, you know, just run a six minute mile at that point, you're I, like, you can kind of recover. You're almost as uh, fresh. I say that, right. Yeah. Yes. A six minute mile with a weight vest is still hard, but you can get, um, you can get like right onto the bar. You can get straight onto the bar. You can, you know, still think. Right. You know, yeah. like where you are in time and space. But if you start running, you know, 530, 520, something like that, then you're you have to recover. And now you've got lactic acid in the body that you don't need there. Um, yeah. If you can really control control the first mile and you're going to make up that 30 seconds in the push ups. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's what's like hard for me. Like I'll do the same thing. I'll go out and run five thirty because like this is where I gotta make up time. I gotta hit it now is my strength. Yeah, yeah. Um and then I do come back huffing and puffing a little bit. What do you what'd you finish the last one in last year? Do you remember? Thirty fifty one? Uh no, the last mile. Oh, the last mile? Oh, uh I was sub seven, but I couldn't get down to six. Oh, yeah, I, I was the same deal. Like thirty ish. Yeah, that was exactly what I did this year. Like coming off that, like like wobbling, <laughs> like oh boy, yeah, yeah. Um, it takes like a mile to really get things rolling. Yeah. Well, sweet man. Yeah, I hope you get back to it and hope that you crank out that up there. That'd be sweet. That'd be that'd be really working. Yeah. Um, yeah, it sounds nice. Uh, it's a completely different thing to to do it right in practice. Yeah. Um, well, cool, man. So yeah. for those listening, might not be familiar with who you are. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Who you are as an athlete and a coach. Oh man. Uh, yeah, grew up originally in Texas, um, and then ran basically in high school, got recruited to go to Adam state. Um, if you don't know, Adam state's a pretty good run program. Um, 
it's really like between it was Adam State and Western. They either cl- they clean up D two nationals every year, or is yeah. it? So Western had a pretty good run, basically. When I was right before I got there, and a little bit before I left, they had a they had a good run, and they've got like I don't know uh, 10, 11 national titles, mm-hmm. which is solid, right? You're a good you're a good, <laughs> good. program. Uh, Adam State has fifty five national titles. <laughs> That's ridiculous. 55. Uh, nobody is close. Uh, I live uh, in Northwest Arkansas right now where everybody is a big fan of the Razorbacks and they talk about Arkansas track and field. They're, they were amazing. John McDonald is awesome. Like they have a wonderful program. They pale in comparison to what Adam State has done. Um, it's uh they have a very, very, very good program. And you go there to do to run cross country. <laughs> like uh, we used to always say we ain't Harvard. Um, <laughs> yeah, you're there, you're there to run. Yeah, so I got to run for them. That was awesome. Um, I learned a lot there. Uh, I was a cocky shit, so I wasn't nearly as uh, successful as I could have been. Um, I feel like Coach Damon Martin would say that's the understatement of the year. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, um, so I got to run there. And then um, on July 4th, 2007, I decided that running would not be my profession any longer. And I went to triathlon because uh, that was the Peachtree 10K. And I ran an opening mile of 420 and was in like 22nd place. Mm. And I was like, I quit. <laughs> yep. you open up with a 1430 opening 5k in a road race and you can't see the leader that's yep i'm out writing on the wall right yeah triathlon here i come so then i went to triathlon and i uh earned a professional elite license in 2008 uh did that for 10 years uh just a struggling artist of triathlon. Um, And then I started to do CrossFit about eight years ago now to just try to help triathlon. Um, I loved CrossFit. And then this whole OCR thing started. Uh, I thought combining CrossFit and running and stuff like that might work out pretty well. I did a few of those and I won a couple. That was fun. So I decided to uh, go a little bit more in that direction. Triathlon takes a lot of time. Uh, I do have two little girls, um, a wife, uh, you know, things to do in the day uh, and training, you know, an eight hour training day just wasn't going to, wasn't going to work out. That's what it seems like with, in, in try that what there's with bike and swim where you're not just going to be completely like physically demolished like running you kind of have to pull back at some point yeah. it seems like the bike and the swim you could just go forever and the volume that you have to amass to to stay up with the top guys it's almost like he kind of drives itself you just have to keep putting on more and more miles it's it's a lot of mileage it really is and it's a lot of time i love the sport of triathlon i still train on the bike i have an open water swim later today i love hmm. triathlon um I suck at swimming. I didn't do the work I needed to, but, um, but to, to be competitive at Ironman, 
um, you have to go, you have to go put in the time. You just have to. Uh, uh, Jesse Kropelnicki is one of the better coaches uh, in the country, if not the world, as far as Ironman triathlon goes. And he has discovered a basic idea of if you want to be successful, here's the amount of hours. And he's got a ridiculous amount of data to back it up. And it's like minimum 15 hours a week just to just to be okay as an age grouper. Like you're not even a professional. And that's just volume too. Like not even like not stretching, not like transit. Just training. Yeah. Uh, That doesn't include like meal prep time or warm ups or none of that. 15 hours a week of training. Um, So it's a lot of, it's a lot of time. Uh, I was never going to be successful. I tried so hard to be good at like, ITU style uh, triathlon racing, which is fun. It's fast, but I just never had the swim. If you don't have the swim and it's uh, for those of you that don't know, ITU style Olympic style triathlon is draft legal on the bike. Um, If you don't know about cycling, if you're not in the pack, you will not catch anyone. I don't care who you are. Uh, You're just going to be riding around by yourself and then you'll get lapped out. They pull you off the courts. You're, you're done. Hmm. Um, so even though I could run, I could run 10 K and I think my best was 30, 40, right. Mid range, 30 minutes off the bike. If you can't make it to the run, nobody cares. Right. So, um, so yeah, I tried to do that for a really long time. Then it was okay. You know, you could do half Ironmans or Ironmans and I just, uh, I don't, Uh, I don't keep body weight on very well. I don't keep body fat on very well. Um, uh, It's hard to eat enough. I've done one Ironman and I simply can't get the amount of calories from my stomach to the rest of my body Mm -hmm. in enough time, right? You have to be very, very efficient at lower heart rates. You have to be very good at burning fat. Um, I am just a high, high energy burner. And I'm more efficient at 170, 180 heart rate. Yeah. And that's the thing. Like if, if you were able to burn fat, you could go sustainably longer without needing to eat as much. But if you're burning carbohydrates like that, eventually there's going to be a limit to how much you can literally stomach and just, yeah. And carrying it all and and being able to to take it down. I mean, I took 1500 calories in during my bike. I was, it was not a fast bike, but it was right at five hours. Right. So, I mean, it, it also wasn't terrible, but you just can't, Ugh. I mean, that's just so much eating and your stomach's just so full. And then I was like, okay, I feel all right. I ran the first eight miles averaging like six fifteens, which for an Ironman is pretty fast. I was rolling. Yeah. People up. And then I walked for the remaining whatever because <laughs> you, you just can't, you can't burn energy like that. Right? Nah. You have to be super, super efficient. Um, and those guys are, they just, they're so efficient at like 150 heart rate and they can go forever and they, they know, they know their body. Right. Um, uh, like guys like, um, who's the hundred mile guy that broke the record? Zach, Zach better, uh, Zach better. But his ability to keep an energy level at that, that's what blew me away. Um, knowing what it's like to go hard for, you know, 10 hours 
just the ability to to do that and the efficiency was is super impressive. So yeah, I just don't I don't do that stuff. I don't do it well and moved on. Yeah, so it is interesting to me the way that you have been able to kind of switch things up. I mean, like you could have like yes, there are going to be road races where there are going to be people who are able to average 420s, you know, for the entire right, time. Right. And um but like your times were still, you know, up there where you could have continued to compete and, and push that and kind of the same with the triathlon where you, you had your, your professional status and you could have kept pushing toward it. And now, but then you moved into OCR. So, uh, so what is it where and you could have been successful and had a, a good long career in any of these things or continue to do it. So what is like the driver behind like switching these kind of things up for you? Uh, one, I have, I mean, I have ADD. I don't, I like to see different things. Um, Running was never a passion. Running was something that I was good at. Hmm. It got me in the newspaper when I was a sophomore in high school. I thought that was awesome. That right? is awesome. Uh, it was it was the coolest thing in the world. And then, you know, it's, hey, well, you might be able to go to college and do this. And then it's, hey, we'll give you money for college if you do this. And then there's, hey, we'll give you, you know, I had a very small deal with Adidas. So, like, I got Adidas gear and that was i thought that was the coolest thing in the world right so eventually you know you have little things but it was uh, the reason i wasn't successful was i just simply did not enjoy running um hmm. uh, just super simple running was not something that i i like to do it i think it's a great exercise i'm uh i have a natural uh, gift for it but just the act of running was not something that I loved. And if you, I've been around some of the best people in the world, um, Olympic medalists and, um, you know, marathon winners, they love it, love running. They don't care. Like, yes, they're very competitive. Yes, they, they do everything correctly. But they would run every day as much as they could, right? We trained with a, a, a girl. She ended up fourth at the Olympic trials in the marathon, Zoila Gomez. Okay. She's a 32 minute 10K runner. She's mm. fast. Um, I want to say 234 for the marathon. But she would like, it's long run day. And like, we, but you're excited? Like, it's long tempo day. Like, she loves 16 mile tempo runs. And I was like, <laughs> shoot me in the face. So I can get out of this. I was, I was never that pumped like yes we get to race today uh i remember being on the start line with when i was you know, running professionally and there was like three or four kenyans and they were like you were going to run fast today and they were so excited and these big smiles on their faces and they, they were telling me if you believe you can win and i was like no uh you run 13 10 i'm not <laughs> winning today and I'm like, yes, we are going to run fast. Oh my God. Okay. I never had that. Um, plus my, a, a long successful career was never something I ever wanted to, to, to have, which is, it, it sounds awful, but it was the best or nothing. Like going to the Olympics was never a goal. I had to win. I wanted to win mm. the Olympic Games. Not only win the Olympic Games, I wanted a world record, and then I wanted to do something else, right? It was, I am motivated by doing 
things that nobody has ever done before, which is why I could never, I didn't just want to have a good solid triathlon career. I wanted the fastest run split anyone had ever seen while still winning the race. Mm -hmm. So I couldn't let go of those precious two minutes on the run to be able to gain five minutes in the swim. Mm, I see. Yeah. And to help the overall time. And it, so but, is it driven just by pure com, um, competitiveness or that kind of what it sounds like? It's like, this is somewhere I can compete. I, I can do well. And, and like the drive to wanting to win. Um, I mean, I think you got to go for me. I think you really got to go uh, pretty deep. Like, uh, uh, you know, we were talking before about, um, you know, the writing poetry and, and eliciting emotion and things like that. But for me, I want to be able to hang out. And by that, I mean, if you're the winner, people ask you to come hang out. <laughs> Nobody says anything bad, right? You're, you, you won. And everybody looks good in first place on the podium, right? So you, that, that feeling of walking around when you're the winner Nobody likes that more than I do. There's mm. nobody on the planet that gets as much from being the guy that won than I do. Uh, it's mm. a high that I can never, you know, you, you can't really touch. So I always wanted to, I always want to be the winner at everything because you're, you, that, that feeling is awesome. So it could be the, the CrossFit workout of the day. I will push so hard to have the top time on that dumb little whiteboard just so I can have like, I, I'm, I had the top time for that day. Nobody loves that feeling more than I do. And that's, hmm. um, if you're, if you're listening, don't let that be your motivation because it's detrimental, right? You can't win everything all the time. Hence I'm a decent runner. I'm a decent triathlete still, and I'm a decent OCR racer but I'm not winning any world titles because you're going to have to let some of those other things go. Right. Right. And like the triathlon analogy uses a good one. It's like, I wanted like the goal of being the fastest runner that might've not led to the best, um, triathlon times. Right. Because it, there wasn't the shift in time. And I've had this type of battle with myself in obstacle course racing, uh, specifically is okay. I, Running's my thing. I want to be an awesome runner. I want to be faster than anybody else out there. But like my time might be better well spent carrying a bucket <laughs> or or Correct. being in the rock climbing gym. So how how has that transition been from these other sports? And like sounds like running is still something that you hold on to because you have excelled so much. How's that transition been for you into obstacle course racing? Uh the obstacle course racing, you have to a lot of runners don't understand, number one, a lot of these guys are really fast. And and there's running fast on, right, if we go out onto the open road, right, and I've had conversations with some of the top guys about this, but we go out onto the road and we race a 10K, I'm probably going to win. Yeah. You run us downhill in the mountains over rocks where not, not one foot strike is solid. I'm going to get trounced. These guys are so fast over uneven surfaces and your their their hip stability is just 
really, really, really good. Um, and I mean, they're fast in their own right. Like they're solid runners, but, but to be able to perform like that and then their, their grip strength is phenomenal. Their capacity for work is phenomenal. Their backs are like steel rods. I mean, how they could carry buckets like that is beyond me. Um, so it's it's a combination of things, and I think uh, the transition to OCR is with most runners. We think we're going to come in and just you know smash people. Yeah, <laughs> like like you, the guy's fastest time is a sixteen forty five k. Well, I'm going to kill that person, and then they just run away from you. You're you go oh all right maybe there's something else to this. So what are some things that you've done? Cause I, I shared almost the exact same. Like for me, it was the terrain and my story is fairly similar is like, I was an above average runner. I went into it in above average shape and got yeah. worked by a lot of people, by <laughs> yeah. a lot of people. And, and just was like, what in the act? Like, how did this happen? And, you know, reviewing things and figuring it out, doing more races. It, like for me, it's the terrain that, that really does sure. slow me down as much. Like the downhills in particular, you know, uphills are, are a bit slower. So, for me, anyway, I'm able to, to do fine on the uphills, but the downhills and just like through the rocks and swamp and everything is is hard. So what are some things that you've done for your training to help with uh, with these type of factors that might have that that hurt performance? Right. Um, so I've gone I've gone to making sure that my lifting is on point to make sure I've got a nice strong back. I also had to really work on weaknesses. So I struggle with back spasms. I mean, even in tries, like it'll, uh, it'll flare up pretty bad. Um, but there's causes for that. Right. And it turns out like most runners, my glutes don't fire right or correctly and I don't warm them up properly or didn't before. So I've spent a lot of time, core stability, activation, uh, neuromuscular activation of the glutes, right? Making sure your glute meads are nice and rolled out. The glutes are doing what they're supposed to. Um, and then anytime I go for a run, I try to, uh, right. If you're running on the sidewalk, hop into the grass where it's super uneven, mm. right. And any chance that I can get, um, I've kind of let go of, Hey, my Strava segment's going to go much slower. And one, nobody cares anymore. I'm not that fast anymore. But two, it's, right, what are you working on? So constantly trying to run on, on uh, uneven surfaces as best I can, um, work on control. Uh, downhill is for sure where I'm going to lose most of the time, um, especially with my knee now. But, um, but yeah, those are some of the and – then, and then grip work. You can't do enough grip work. We've got a climbing gym here. I started going to a climbing gym. Um, um, that has been uh, really great for grip strength. Mm -hmm. I have the, uh, I do almost all of my bar work now with the fat grips um, on the bar almost exclusively. Just so that way when I grip a real bar, I feel I can hang on forever. Uh, you know, uh, constant grip work yeah that's uh, i echo a lot of the same things and the it's funny you mentioned um i have some questions about some of the 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 warm-up and the and the glue stuff but yep the Stra the strava thing that does go through my head too and i actually <laughs> i i stopped sharing all of my strava just so i had just so i don't worry about it like i'm yeah. all private not because i care what 
what other people, what I'm doing and other, and I don't want other people to see, I just don't want to have to worry about my pace per mile and having it like matter yeah. because like, yeah. yeah, I need to do some burpees now <laughs> and that's going to yeah. screw up my pace per mile and Strava is going to screw it all up. So I was like, all right, I'm just going to not have this even be something in my brain. This is not a positive just forget it. But it's ingrained as runners, you know? It's like if I'm not averaging 640s Correct. on my run, like is that like I usually can and is that an and it's a bit of an ego hit. So I just I just completely removed that from the equation. I'm like I don't need this. This isn't helpful for me in any way. Right. Yeah, if you can remove it all the better. I try um I want to be able to look back. Strava is just a great um it, it kind of keeps keeps tabs on things and I feel like if if somebody wants to see it, I think it's great when people can see it, right? Because you may see, I post everything every day. So today you could see I ran a four-mile run. I think I averaged 730 pace. And that's the slowest run I've done in a long time. But I was in a ton of pain. I had my little <laughs> girls with me riding their bikes next to me. Like you, um, I got the, the mileage in, and it, it's good for me to be able to see those things. But you can also, I think it's good for when people start to understand that I, I hear a lot of people think, well, oh, well, he's uh, lighter weight. He can run 530s like it's nothing. Oh, well, he, of course, he's a runner. He can run those paces like it's, it's super easy. It's not, and it takes a lot of those really crappy days to be able to, okay, you, you made it through. So hopefully, um, yeah, what if um, if you're listening now understand there's there's a process it's slow you're going to run slow a lot of times you can't pr every day or even when you're my age you can't pr uh, again you, you just may have to be better than you were yesterday right and that and that's something that i've had to swallow as well as especially you know um what the purpose behind the training is. Cause I also wanted to win. And like my, my, if I was running a race, like that was the main deal, but it's kind of shifted into, like you said, what the purpose is of the run, what the process is making sure that I'm doing what I should be doing to make myself better for that day. Um, right. and that's, that's hard, you know, especially for people who are just starting to get up or who have big goals or who are made by, who might be behind the eight ball and running if they've come into it later in life, like many obstacle course race athletes have. Yeah. So we're trying to bang at it every day. They're like, no, I'm trying to average eight minutes per mile, no matter what, when they should yeah. be running nine thirties, they're just banging at eight. It's like trying to get there to prove it to themselves that they're, that they're making progress. It's, um, it's so like, very, yeah, you I think you really touched on something there is that you're, if you're striving for eight minutes a mile, you don't run eight minutes a mile every single day. The, it, it took a long time for me to learn that probably not till I was a, a senior in college and I was already on my way out. So I'm rather frustrated that I learned it that late. Um, but there, we, we had a couple of new guys coming in that had some talent. Um, one of them ended up being fifth at the Olympic trials uh, in the 10 K later on. But he, he ran like 7.30s, 8-minute pace for his easy days. Like he was always way, way back. And, and we'd get frustrated and be like, hey, run with the team. We're running 6.20s, 6 minutes at 7,500 feet altitude. He'd be like, <laughs> I have no reason to run that. Today's an easy day. I'm going to run easy. Like walking um, and still does that. He's a 2.12 marathoner. Um, Aaron Braun is his name. Oh, yeah, yeah. 
yeah, good, good, good guy. But he's he's the smartest trainer I've ever come across, and he was that way since he was a freshman. I mean, he he'll run nine minute pace now. He's a two twelve marathoner, right? So if you're if you're really struggling to run eights and you can't swallow your pride to run nines, you got to think about a guy that can run five flats, 26 miles in a row. He's running nines. I think you'll, I think you'll be fine. You'll be just fine. Yeah. And isn't that like, I had a similar story. My guy wasn't in college, wasn't nearly as good, but he was like a top five guy on our team. But in practice, he was like the 12th or 13th guy. <laughs> but like, he just, I don't think he understood. I actually think this guy was kind of lazy, but he was lazy enough to the point where he would recover where everybody else was banging yeah. at, banging at it over and over where we'd never really recovered. So when it came to races, he raced well and the rest of us raced like shit. Yeah. Um, and that was something that we also were talking about. Um, before we jumped on is just the idea of what coaching is. And to me, that's so strange that college programs operate like that. Even then a coaching, uh, a college program that is the most successful collegiate program in the country, mm. right? Arguably like, you know, so, right. and, but they're still out there banging at it. And like, like there is a, a person there who should be kind of relaying this information. And I find that with, yeah. with collegiate coaches in, in particular, and you know, I, I only had one experience and it wasn't great, but um, from the other collegiate athletes I talked to, it sounds pretty similar that it's never like the coaching that is provided isn't necessarily for the individual. It's just for like, the team and just trying to get the best results out of whatever they can out of these 15 guys. Right. So, so in, in your mind, because we talked about this a little bit, like what is your like definition of coaching? Definition of coaching, um, providing direction and motivation for an athlete to accomplish a goal. Hmm. And the, the the motivation piece was something we were talking about. Like, what is yeah. like, what does it mean? Like, how is motivation provided to you? Like, where do you get motivation from, or how do you provide motivation for the athletes that you're coaching? Um, the motivation that I provide most of my athletes is um, is really in letting the athlete know that where you are is where you are and that's okay. Mm. And that we're look at where you were. We are well beyond where you were and we still have some goals to get to. Right. So really trying to um, let every athlete understand we're better than we were yesterday. Right. We need to um, let's not do a Derek York and keep your head in the clouds. <laughs> I, I, I try to very much, hey, listen to what I did wrong, right? You may want to qualify for Boston, right? But you've never finished a marathon. Let's, let's, hey, you ran five miles faster than you ever have. Let's make sure that we stay right there. That's awesome. That's an incredible thing. Not a lot of people do that. Um, and so I really try to, I try to keep the motivation here right now and, and focused as opposed to you're great the way you are, no matter what happens, right? Yes, we have some things to do and we're going to accomplish those, but you're, you're much better than you were. Let's, let's focus on doing it again tomorrow. Hmm. 
So it sounds like it's a lot of like process, like being focused on the process, but also with perspective. So like being able to look back right. and be like, we may not be there, but we're better off where we were because we're following these steps. Um, and if you could just continue that and appreciate where you are as, as well as understand the process of improvement, right. like that is kind of the motivation, right? Like, like you're doing it, you're not there yet, but you potentially will be if you yep. keep, if you stay oriented where if you lose sight of it and you're just like, no, I need to qualify for Boston. It's like, all right. But like, that's not going to get you there by just like willing it or just like wanting it enough. And I, and I think it's those, you can dream yourself right out of a good, uh, a good performance. Mm-hmm. Right? You, like if you keep skipping things and I, and again, I use myself in that I, I never wanted to win a division two national title. That was never a goal of mine. That was so beneath the goals that I wanted. And yet I never, I never attained that. And I never got anything positive from the things that I did do. Right. I was a three time all American. That's awesome. That, uh, that's fun. Division two, but um, I got to be de- a decent runner, but I never celebrated that. That was, that was a failure at the time, right? And what, what more could it have been had you just focused on, hey, let's try to make the team here. Hey, let's try to, let's try to be an All-American or you know, be a point scorer. Okay, let's try to win a national title. It was, every day was trying to set a world record or trying to set the world on fire or do something, this, this grand, you know, wonderful thing. And you end up just crashing and burning. Hmm. So um, I really try to try to get all athletes to, you know, um, be present, know where you are, understand where you were, and let's let's be able to come back again tomorrow. And it's 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 a good lesson coming from you, but I feel like it would also be hard to accept because the way that you did approach things just like banging at it and like no this isn't enough more 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 you yeah. found more success than mo- probably like 99 percent of runners will you know so it's like but, but you never yeah, really tough. but like in your mind you probably have accomplished as much success as anybody else because like you might because you never like you said you never took that time to um be present with it and you was always like what's next fuck this, this isn't what I wanted to do. Like I need to do more. Right. And I, I understand that gets, <laughs> I try to put myself in someone else's shoes, right? Because you have someone talking to you that's, <laughs> that's run a 29, 30, 10 K and still has a six pack at 36 years old. Right. So I get Congrats. that. <laughs> I, yeah. I understand that. It's not a bragging thing, but I also have to understand what I'm, what I'm presenting. And, and I try to make it clear, you know, how, how those things come about. Right. And, um, I'll get people, you know, I want to be, I want to be like you. I want to have, you know, what you have. And my, uh, my come to is uh, always, you don't hate yourself enough to ever look <laughs> like that. There's a lot of, and we've touched on things like that. There's a lot of mental health issues that happened to be able to push yourself like that day in, day out from the age of like four. Like I used to just get up in the middle of the night and do push-ups at four. Who does that? <laughs> That's weird. <laughs> um, you know, we, we, we just, 
had these things that I constantly wanted to, you know, just push and I had to be better and had to, to always be like that. Um, you know, I, I would really like to just go for a run and not care ever. Like I'm jealous of a lot of my athletes and people that I've seen that person running in the middle of the pack, just having a grand old time, high-fiving people. They have no idea what pace they're running. They don't care. I hate them, but I also am so jealous. So man. jealous. Yeah. Because I'll never, I'll never have that. I'll never experience just, ah, let's take a selfie in the middle of a race. Like, oh, I want to like bash my head into the wall. Like, what are you doing? Put that Stop. camera away. Stop <laughs> smiling. Like, <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it's one of those things that you, you have to understand if you want those things, what you're going to give up. And it's a constant just, um, you know, I, I, I nearly threw up in my garage last night. It was like 97 degrees. I was doing a really hard trainer bike, uh, bike workout on the trainer for no reason whatsoever. I have nothing on the calendar. I'm not a triathlete. I, I don't have a pro license. There's nothing there at all for no other reason than I just got sucked into going really hard and then just decided to just crush myself. Uh, that's not, you know, don't be there. <laughs> you know, you don't need to do that. I've, uh, I was recently reading um, a book kind of on, the perspective of performance for athletes and they had like this analogy of this tree and at the base of the tree was like self-worth and like self-esteem right and at the top it was more like skills and and, like performance oriented and that's kind of what it like to get to the base of things is where like your basic needs are to figure out really what what's going on like really what what you've been what you're doing this for and it sounds like you know you've done a lot of thinking about this, like very in tune with that, with that, with, with this idea of there's more to running than just like hitting it hard or and resting or like going out there and, and performing as, as well as you can. Like there's, there's deep rooted issues there or reasoning. Mm-hmm. So like, have you done work behind this? Because it sounds like you, you are really aware of who you were as an athlete right? and now who you are now and, and how that kind of process has um, matured over the years. Um, I've, I've learned to con control it. Like I understand what's happening, but no, like I'm, um, I, I believe all, a lot in genetics and you are who you are. Um, and it's, uh, it's the same as like someone that has OCD, right? You may understand the rituals that you have to do all the time are dumb. Most people will, right? Every case study, they're going to go, it's, ridiculous is something bad gonna happen if i don't flip the light switch on five times no do i understand that i have that i'm gonna do it and i have to do it yes so you have to figure out a way of living with it right Uh, i think it's along those same lines in that is that the smart way to do things absolutely not just you know hammering yourself into oblivion or having these grandiose ideas of um winning a world title in some record time. It's, it's probably not the greatest way of going about things. And so I try to tell as many people as I can the, the correct way, but I also understand who I am 
I understand what motivates me, whether it's good or not. And uh, I, I just try to feather that, right? Try to live with it. Yeah, it's more of a, along the lines of uh, acceptance of of who you are as an athlete and, and also as a person, right? Because they right. are they are intertwined. Correct, and, and that's that's just how it's um, how it's going to be. But it's um, uh, you you never really let you never really let go of it, and so I'm going to keep. I'm going to keep pushing and keep putting it out there. And um, every now and then I'll pop something fun that's fast. And most of the time I end up injured or <laughs> doing, <laughs> doing something else. Um, so Just what you were the, born into. <laughs> and it's part of the fun of it. Uh, I know we had talked uh, a little bit earlier on kind of being a better human being. Um, and I think it's one of those things that I really – I always want to be invited and I always want to be able to, to perform. Right. So if you're going to go, Hey, Derek, we're all going to go do this marathon here in a couple of weeks. I want to be there and I want you to invite me and I want to be able to go and I want to be decently competitive, but it's the same thing. If, hey, we're going to go to this Olympic lifting meet. Am I going to be super good at it? No, but I want to be proficient and I want to be invited and I want to go mm-hmm. and I want to, right. We're going to go rock climbing. We're going to go, Anything that's athletic of some sort, I want to go. I want to be able to hang out, but I also like I want to be competitive, right? Um, and so the, you know, I, I continuously do new things. Um, so long as you can, so long as your ego can take the hit, right? When you walk into a CrossFit gym, you're gonna lose at a lot of things. It's the same thing as when you, you know, you do enough OCR, you're, you're going to find a, an obstacle that you suck at. Or some course that's just going to block some you. course that's that you're not good at or some, something. So you constantly work at getting better, right? I, I thought I would be pretty good at CrossFit until I learned about a guy named Rich Froning. And then I'll never, I'll never think I'll be good at CrossFit again. <laughs> Um, that, that, yeah, that that's a humbling experience when like you, I was the same way. I probably got into it same time, 2012, 2011. Yeah. And then I realized, I was like, oh, I can just go. And then I realized what kind of weights people were putting up. I was like, what? Oh, yeah. <laughs> people are this strong and can do it this fast? And then you, the more you learn about every, every sport and everything that takes, um, that takes a lot, right? And you start to go, oh my God, like these people – are incredible you know what it takes to hit an amazing golf shot is much more difficult than what you think right what it takes to um you you know to to be a matt fraser right Mm -hmm. if you don't know who he is you better get google out because that's one of the greatest athletes on the face of the planet Mm -hmm. Um, but you know he can he can run sub six minute miles for a while he can run uh, he can swim his hundreds in 130 meters Right. That's a guy that can snatch 315 pounds. Like it's, it's absolutely incredible. So, um, you constantly have things to work on again. You, your ego has to be able to take that hit, but it makes you so, so much better. Right. Cause once you realize how good people really are, once you really understand what it takes to run 436 per mile, and then do that 26 times in a row, then you realize, okay, 
I was never really that good. <laughs> so let's keep, you know, um, there's some really, really incredible people in this world and you can start to really enjoy just the show, just the, you know, the human endeavors that are out there. It's incredible. And that's, this is something that I've uh, kind of revisited just watching that Michael Jordan documentary, that 10 piece. Did you watch that? Uh, uh, I haven't, I haven't, I, you're like the, the fourth person to bring it up, but I, I, I need to so bad. Because it's along the same lines. It's just the, the determination and the singular focus that people have. And I think Froning and Fraser, like if you ever follow any of their stuff, it's the, the things that they say and the way they say it, it's the same way that Michael Jordan is saying things. It's just, yeah. it's like, I'm going to do, the, I'm, I'm going to outwork you. I'm going to do yeah. more to win, to drive. So it doesn't matter what you do because I'm going to be the best no matter what, because of that singular focus that, the, that these people have. Um, and I'm, I'm happy I, to hear uh, that you, oh, go ahead. Uh, I, there's just a perfect, quote and my sister and I have to tell each other but my, my sister was a gymnast for Bella Caroli so I'm going to throw that out there I have to as much as I can so <laughs> she's the talented one in our family but she would always say and she tells me now but just uh hard work only beats talent when talent doesn't work hard right and so when you get somebody like a like a Michael Jordan that not only is has clear talents right he's six foot six he can jump over a house right but he is going to find a weakness and drill it and work it until there is no weakness when you put those together then you end up with just things that are out of this world you end up with Usain Bolt you end up with Matt Fraser you end up with uh, you know Michael Phelps right yeah, I didn't mean to cut you off there, but yeah, to, when you find that combination, it's it's awesome and scary. And I, I think about that a lot too. And just it's if someone has both, like a lot of times people, if they are overly talented, they won't be that person because they never had to be that person to drive so hard. Right. And then if it's the opposite, if someone has just always been driven but it lacks talent, it's just kind of the same thing. Like they're 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 going to pr- probably get further, but um, there's just going to be a, a natural cap on what they can accomplish. But right. those people who are the best of the best and who are doing things, they have done that. They have figured it out and done it in a way that's sustainable and that just makes sense. And from all angles, it's not just about hitting it as hard as possible and, and doing work that no one else is willing to do, but also doing the smart things like we were talking about, like recovering and, yeah. you know, and, and like doing the mental work and doing all those other pieces and just knowing that there's more to performance than just going right and like those are the people and that have that inherent talent as well and that's just like what greatness is and that's like that those type of people are really fascinating to me i really enjoy like listening to those people it's an incredible thing when you have someone that has a ferocious tenacity to attack recovery right (laughs) to right to attack like i'm going to recover better than everyone on the planet and then i'm going to work harder than everyone on the planet. And then I'm going to do mobility harder than anyone. <laughs> right. And you get those, the, they're, they're incredible, incredible human beings. And I think, uh, I think you have to, you know, really try to try to understand um, what those are. It's fascinating. Absolutely fascinating. Totally. Um, and 
just to kind of switch back gears into mm-hmm. the the training and a little bit of the OCR stuff. So a lot of the things like it sounds like as you progress through, you're like, okay, I'm going to do some CrossFit with my endurance work and, oh, here's OCR. So this is just something that I happen to be training for on accident for a long time. And, <laughs> yeah. and it's like, okay, let me see what I can do. And let me see if I can do um, to the best of my ability. And now there's like something else that kind of has come that's even like more in line with that, with like high rocks and DecaFit, right? Which, which is just even, it takes the terrain completely out of it. <laughs> so um. How's that been? I know you've done a couple events. How have you? So um... I, I did. I did the first high rocks at, in Miami. Um, and it went about like I thought I had the fastest run splits. I still don't know if anyone's gone faster, but that's okay because the weight you have to push on and pull on the sleds is astronomical. It's <laughs> asinine. It's crazy. Um, um, I don't know if you've seen the footage of Chris Spieler right? Pushing a sled, like with his he's head, like, his butts all the way up. He's yeah. Like, I was going to show that. I've seen it. Yeah. Right? yeah. Um, again, you, you know, you're listening, Google that. Cause Chris Bueller is the man as well, but that's the same weight that we're supposed to push, right. That games athletes were pushing. Um, and I, I mean, I weigh 145 pounds, 150 when I'm, when I'm, big right mm-hmm. so like to push uh i can't even remember what the weights are 375 yeah, yeah to push that kind of weight on on those types of little carpet deals like it was it was crazy right um it's it's just so much weight but high rocks has a really 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 good idea i love um i got to meet their uh, the owners the founders the people that run that they do a really really great job and then DecaFit um, with Yancey, and uh, I work with Yancey. I don't know if you knew that, but I did. Uh, took that same idea. No, everybody knows it, but uh, made it much lighter weight. Um, yeah, I felt like I was going to knock that one out of the park. I felt like that one was finally something built for me. Um, I feel like I could go really, really good there. Um, we'll have to see how the knee heals and how training would. We'll go with that, but I think it's awesome. Um, and I also get in, I get in behind what Spartan tries to say and what, what everyone else is kind of getting behind is whatever gets you off the couch and the more events and the different types of events that we have, the better. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think there should be more and more and, and take it outside, put it inside, whatever will get you moving. Right. Maybe that maybe doing a deck of fit in, you know, indoors with no terrain, a little bit lighter weight, then you'll start to, ooh, maybe there's something I can do here. And you start to push a little bit more in the gym or, hey, maybe I do need to try a Spartan race. Okay. Now there's other things I want to try. And that, that really gets people into something that you might think is, is really fun. Right. Like CrossFit has launched more weightlifting careers, Olympic lifting careers than anything lately, but they wouldn't have known that unless they were in a CrossFit gym. Mm -hmm. You may have no idea that you're really good at these particular things. You, if, uh, if OCR gets you into a climbing gym and it turns out you love climbing and you have that type of mobility to move, then that may be something that you, that you do, um, and, and have a passion for. So yeah, the more things that you can do and the more you can get into, um, I think I think 
Yancey is a marketing genius. Um, I think the the deck of fit is um, is awesome. I think it's going to make a lot of people's lungs pop, which is great. Uh, <laughs> Get that indoor cough. Yeah. I mean, oh God. You, yeah. If you don't know, if you haven't run indoor track, um, especially if you haven't done it at altitude, if you don't know the indoor cough, you're going to find out. You will. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's an awful fire that you just breathe fire for hours on end. And the, I, I could get on board too. Cause when, you know, Decafit come came out, there's a bunch of people hating on it. It's like, Oh, they're just money hungry. It's one another Avenue here. They just stole it from high rocks, whatever, whatever. But these are like the hardcore OCR people. But yeah, it's about the mission of, of like making fitness accessible to the, the masses. And that's right. ultimately what they want to do at the top with Joe DeSena, he doesn't care about the uh, like the Spartan Pro team. So when he has to deal with us complaining about contracts, yeah. he's like, "Are you serious? I'm trying to change the world here, and we have these people worried about like a couple of bucks. Like, yeah, get out of my face. Like, you know." So it's I, I totally get it. I mean, I wish he would care more about it, but like, it's it's not. But like, the mission is the mission. It's not to create a a a sport for people like us. Right. It's to create a better generation of healthier people. And I think that that's something. And when I, I spoke to Yancey and that, it, he, it just became clear. It's like, oh, okay. Like this is obviously what they want. Like their mission is always tied back to this one cause. Yeah. And, but everyone else just loses it because they're worried about what's better for them. <laughs> so like the pro team members are like, this is it's worse for me. The me. age groupers are upset about showers or some shit, like stuff that doesn't <laughs> matter, <laughs> you know? Yeah, we need more of this out there. Like, oh, come on. Um, and I think right. people people not doing burpees, like whatever. <laughs> yes, it's it's like the the old school OCR people talking about. Oh, it's not a hard enough course. It's like a track meet. No, it's not. No, it's not. Just get faster. Run harder. <laughs> yeah, you're not. As, <laughs> like, you're not nearly as as uh, as all around fit as as you think. So it's like, you know, what's harder than most of these courses, a f- flat out 5k flat out <laughs> that 5K. feeling is worse, man. I cannot get behind you more on that. I had the same conversation over and over and like, well, have you done it with a bucket? Have you done it? Have you done it just with shoes? Run as hard <laughs> yeah, run, as you right. can. If you, if you do it right, you will never want to run another 5k as long as you live. Um, and <laughs> And that's the thing I think people don't understand how much is in the tank. I think that is a very real, you have no idea how hard you can hurt. And it's just as fast as you can possibly go. Um, If you're not hurting at a half mile in for a 5k, you're not, you're not, you're not there. If you're still under control, you have not gone to that point. Mm -hmm. Um, it should be very scary. You should wonder if you'll be able to walk again ever. Like it's a, it's a really, really crazy thing. So um, I'm glad that there's, there's more, um, I mean, national class runners getting into the sport that these national class runners are getting their ass kicked. Don't get me wrong. OCR people. I'm not trying to tell you we're not losing. I'm just trying to tell you that there's uh there's a different type of pain out there and there's different ways to go about it. So um, we, we'll have courses like Big Bear 
we'll have courses, you know, like Killington. Um, there's always going to be those types of things, right? Um, but then you have, why not have a deck of fit? Let's see who is the fastest. And that's all that you're proving. You're not saying that you're a better OCR person. You're not saying that you're fitter because fitter has the most wide uh, yeah, definition. Um, it's just, you're better at that. And, and fast needs to have a place in the OCR world, just like long needs a place in the OCR world with a 24 hour race and beyond, um, you know, uh, super crazy conditions. You need to have good conditions. Um, it cracks me up. People think it's not a real, you know, OCR race unless you're frozen and you can't move and it's crazy. Like you're going through mud neck deep. Uh, I'm looking at you, Alex Walker, but you know, it's, it's those things. It's like, ah, I need a real, I need a real OCR course. Well, there's those courses out there and, um, it's just a matter of, okay, let's get good at all of them. Right. And and things are going to start splintering, right? They kind of already have, right? Like now the person who is the best at the short course probably isn't going to be the best at the beast. And like, they're much like kind of how triathlon must have started, right? right? Like, like now there are iron, Ironman competitors and the best who are at like Olympic distance are probably not the same. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but, um, so it's, it's along, it's along the same lines. Like it's just going to be a bigger sport that way. And I always found it, I, I thought it was always funny too. When people want worse conditions, it's always like the slower runners. <laughs> They're yeah. like, yeah, it's like, it's like, Oh no, it's not muddy enough. I want it to be raining. It's like, Ugh, you want that? Because you can't, you can't run. I get it. And that's, that's fine. Um, Hey, I'm telling you right now, if the race is cold, I'm going to lose. Right now. <laughs> if it's cold at all, I'm going to lose. I'm not going to do well. Um, if there's a lot of technical downhill, I, I, I'm going to lose. You're going to run right away from me. It's just, that's a weakness of mine. And it's something I should, I should get better at. Does that mean that I'm going to avoid all races that are cold or all races that have technical downhill? No, it just means I understand I need to get better at it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that means when you come to my course, then I'm going to probably do pretty good. And yeah, maybe that'll be um, whenever the deck of fits or high rocks come back around. Because uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing what you what you what you're gonna do on those courses. Because you should rip those up. Because yeah, deck of fit looks awesome, man. We take that heavy weight out of there. <laughs> yeah, deck of fit is something that I I absolutely have my mind on. Um, I'll I'll probably do pretty good there. Um, it's it just happened again. Um, it just happens to land in in my wheelhouse right now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, cool, man. So I don't want to keep you all day, but what, um, what, what were some of the goals you had going on this year? I mean, it's hard to tell like now whatever it's going to be like, but what were you kind of, what are you kind of thinking? Yeah. So, um, really to get back healthy and to get back into doing some, um, some decent mileage again, uh, I will probably throw my hat in the ring and like a 70.3 try. Nice. Uh, it's just good all around training. It's good base training. It makes me get in the water, which is, um, it's just great recovery uh, mm. for any for anybody out there. I think swimming is a great human endeavor. Like it's something we should know how to do. It's something you should be proficient at, right? 
Um, and it's really, really good recovery for running. So um, great for shoulder mobility, which again, for OCR is incredible. So that type of training is just good. Uh, gets me doing some mileage, get something out there. And then, uh, yeah, I'll probably go really hard at the Decafit scene once that really gets gets going. Um, a lot of East Coast races, man. Come up, come up my way. I, mean, I know. I need to just go hang out and just start knocking, like, knocking out a bunch of things. Um, I, I have a marathon PR of 230.01, which mm. just sucks. So I'll probably have to run another marathon at some Gotta point. Gotta be a 229 guy. I, I hate I hate it. That I just <laughs> I should have kicked. And I did for like a quarter mile, but like it, it just ended up being so heartbreaking. Um so eventually I'll have to do another one of those and then never do another one again. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I, I've been thinking the same thing. Cause like now the, like my marathon, I've only run two months, like two forty two, And I know like my training right now, I could probably be like two thirty five maybe, but, uh, and I'm thinking that a marathon might be the only feasible race this year. And CIM is in December and that's late oh, enough. Yeah. And I was like, maybe, but then I was like, Ugh, do I want to do that? <laughs> do oh, I want to do the 16 mile, mile tempo run? Yeah. <laughs> like, they're, do I they're really terrible. want that? That doesn't seem fun. Had I run 229.59, I would never need to run another one. I'd be good. That's it. Um, yeah. So I may, I'm, I mean, eventually I'll have to do another one of those. But yeah, I think it's, um, I think that Decafit is, is going to be kind of where I'd, um, if I want to be competitive and really win some things, that's probably where I'll go to. But, uh, but yeah, there's going to be new things popping up. Um, I'll still do OCR races. I'm not scared. I'll go do a mountain race. I, I, I want to play. Um, you're, you're not going to um, – I know where I'm good and where I'm not, but I, I'm not scared to race anybody. So I'm, I'm excited to just get out and do that again someday. Any stadiums? I'll do, I mean, if it's on the calendar and around, I'll absolutely do a stadium. Um, my favorite one is is Dallas, just because I'm a huge Cowboys fan. I grew up oh. in Texas. I know, we're going to get into it over that. I know, <laughs> I, but, I didn't even want to talk about it. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, but I mean, it's in Cowboys Stadium. And so uh, like that, that's one of my favorites. Um, won't be able to do it this year, but um, yeah, if there's if there's a stadium that I can make it to, um, like I said, I, I want to play, man. So if there's something I can make it to and, and, and it's happening, it could be like a bunch of guys just like, Hey, we're going to meet in this parking lot and race from a to B, uh, and the winner gets a six pack. Then yeah, I'm probably down. I'll probably go race. Nice, man. There's, oh, man, you're still kind of hurt. I was going to say the running public, they're doing that burpee 10k. I don't know if you saw that. And then they're doing a beer mile. They're doing like some paid events. They're paying oh. out. I used so, to think I was good at a beer mile. We could we used to throw down a lot of beer miles back in the day. And I've what's run your PR? Six ten. Oh yeah, mine's six twenty. So that is good. You are good at beer. Yeah. You're, you're, well, you're stub elite. You're like <laughs> Yeah, because like, those guys like six they're minutes crazy. Six minutes used to be insane to be yeah. now they're running four thirty something. That's stupid. Crazy. Doesn't make yeah. sense. They're they're practicing. They're practicing chugging. They're like really Oh, they get get into it there was a guy that went and studied at stanford like gaseous the the amount of gases in particular beers 
and how to get rid of those gases. And I mean, like for six weeks, went with a, a, a Stanford um, like postdoc or something, and they just ran these tests on those types of things. I mean, they got into it. Like it's these things are supposed to be fun. <laughs> People need to chill. But yeah, but look at us. We're playing, <laughs> playing in the mud for com- competitive. I know. People are probably saying the same thing. It's like, oh, people run those races to win. It's like, people say that about 5K stuff. It's like, oh, people yeah. win those races. It's like, well, yeah, somebody has to win. I mean, somebody might has. as well be me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, no, cool, I'm dude. very serious about monkey bars and mud. Yeah, yeah, right. Exactly. So I guess that's true. That's true. So I got, I'm, I'm going to do a beer mile. So uh, maybe if you're healthy by the 4th of July, or maybe you just want to throw one down for fun. Because you would do well oh. in the, bur- the their, their burpee 10K is like 800 meters and do 20 burpees for 10K. Oh, like, yeah, I'd probably do pretty good there. You do really well. Yeah, that'd be awesome. That'd be like, yeah, it'd just be like a fun thing to do. Yeah. Um, It would suck. It would take a long time, but it would be fun. Yeah, hit me up. I'm down. Okay. For sure. All right, dude, well, where, can I, where can we find you on socials or anywhere in particular that could go to reach out? So, yeah, Facebook, Derek York. Uh, York is Y-O-R-E-K, just because I like to jack with people. Uh, and then York fit, uh, Y O R E K F I T that's on Instagram. Um, that I've, uh, I've kind of shied away from social media lately for uh, a, a number of reasons, but you can see some workouts on there and I try to, I try to give tips on run form and things of that nature, but yeah, that's me. Yeah, I really totally. appreciate your time. Appreciate you, man. And uh, yeah, the Instagram's great. A lot of good stuff. Again, like you said, everything's out there for you to do. Good inspiration to to get after it. Yeah, for sure. All right, cool people. Well, I appreciate you guys hanging in there. Uh, Derek, appreciate you for joining me. And we'll talk to you soon. All right, man. We'll see you.